dealing with today's issues from a biblical perspective. Can you handle the truth? Informative voice for Christianity, The Marty Mento Show. Well, welcome once again to The Marty Mento Show podcast. I'm your host, Marty Mento, the informative voice for Christianity all across America. The one who's been called the blue-collar theologian. Try to help others make sense of all the confusion today in visible Christianity. If you'd like to share your thoughts, your views, your opinions, all you have to do is email me, martyminto at gmail.com. That's martyminto at gmail.com. And once again, thank you for listening to the Marty Minto Show podcast. Yeah. Not sure what the weather is like where you're at, but here in the deep south, uh, blue sky, sunshine, a beautiful day that the Lord has made. Every, every day that God gives to us is a beautiful day, but today especially, not too hot, not too cold. It's just right. And once again, I am blessed to be here live on the air in this podcast, and uh, I do want to apologize for not being with you for some time. I, I cannot give you any kind of excuse that probably would satisfy uh, maybe your um, unsettledness that you haven't been able to hear the podcast in a while, but um, I am, well, I'm sitting here today, as many of you are, in the midst of this COVID-19, this coronavirus uh, pandemic that's been taking place, not only here in the United States, across the world. And um, I've just been burdened as I have watched and I have listened as carefully as I can to what has taken place, all the statistics, what the health experts are saying, all this. I, I began to realize that there are things that are happening by far uh, within visible Christianity, with those who claim to be believers and followers of Christ, things that are being preached, taught. Uh, there's an explosion today on Facebook's Facebook Live. Many preachers are coming out doing their uh, sermons and their Bible teaching, and and uh, it's uh, in some ways some would say the gospel was being spread. In other ways, I begin to realize the lack of uh, biblical understanding that is out there today, even in those uh, or with those who are in the pulpits. I begin to realize that there are a lot of people that listen to a lot of stuff. There seems to be just a, a unbelievable kind of a, a banquet of all kind of different teaching in the midst of this pandemic, and uh, some good, much not so good, and things are happening. And so I decided that it's time uh, to to step back into the microphone and talk about a biblical response to this coronavirus, this COVID-19. And what I want to do is I want to go back to God's Word, and I want to look at this. And I know, first of all, the COVID-19, the coronavirus is not mentioned somewhere, you know, hidden in some secret code in the Bible. I've even heard that since I have been listening to all that's going on. Uh, which is blowing my mind, stuff like that, what people are saying. But but what I want to do is go and look at God's Word about, in times like this, how should we, individuals, as the church, the body of Christ, how should we respond to things like this? What opportunities does it uh, give to us when, uh, you know, times of hurt and pain and suffering and challenges take place? What can we do uh, that could really bring glory and honor to God in His kingdom? 
And also to go back to the Bible and say, you know what, a lot of this stuff that people are saying, they're preaching, they're teaching, things that are going on, they're just, it's, it's kind of out of control, to be honest with you. It's got to a point in place where people are just, well, they're creating things. And um, that's where I get quite upset, because I do realize, as I've mentioned many times on this podcast, that in the last days we are warned not only by Jesus, but by the apostles, as we read the New Testament, that in the last days the false teachers will increase, the false teaching. They will be deceived, and they will be deceiving others, uh, to even to the point where we have those out there today who believe that they have the cure for the COVID-19. If you just send them a particular amount of money, they'll send you the bottle, they'll send you the spray, they'll send you something that's going to cure it. And it's just truly just given even a further black eye to that which is called Christianity today. And so what I want to do is I want to take this opportunity and bring a biblical response to the coronavirus, to COVID-19, and kind of help some of you out there with some things that I think are pretty plain and simple but yet I think we just need to talk about it. First of all, people have been saying uh, quite you know, readily that this coronavirus, this COVID-19, is a God thing. Um, I listened to a very popular talk show the other day. Matter of fact, many years ago when I did Christian Talk Radio, this individual actually had a program before mine. And as I was listening to this talk show, they, they had a special guest who's written a book. This is another thing. Everybody's writing books, too. Now's the time to write a book and talk about this, be an expert, and they want to, you know, in some way, shape, or form, bring, you know, what God is saying in these days because of this. But the truth of the matter is we go to God's Word, as I said earlier. There's nothing distinctive anywhere in the Bible about the coronavirus. But uh, many of them are turning to Romans chapter 1, verse 18. And in Romans chapter 1, verse 18, it says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Um, and many are saying, there it is. God's wrath is being revealed. His wrath is the coronavirus. COVID-19 is sent by God upon men because of their wickedness in this land, in this country we live, this world, it's fallen. And, and so I thought I would start there. How do we deal with this? Is this a part of God's wrath? Well, once again, we have to understand ultimately what God's wrath is all about. God's wrath is going to be upon his condemnation. His wrath is going to be upon those who do not know him, and who have not put their faith, their trust in his Son, Jesus Christ, for their salvation. Ultimately, the wrath of God is revealed in a place called hell, uh, the lake of fire. God's wrath is going to be revealed to its fullest extent, where people are going to suffer from all eternity. Now, I've talked about hell in other broadcasts, and I know that some people just don't like the topic. They don't want to go there. We're living in a time where many people are just talking about, hey, everybody's going to get to heaven. Everybody's going to be on the gospel train. Everybody's going to be there holding hands and rejoicing. And only the really, really bad people, like the devil, will be in hell. But that's not true. Uh, the Bible says an awful lot about God's wrath. 
Uh, matter of fact, there are many passages of Scripture, but I want us to be reminded of something. Though his wrath is, meaning presently, being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and the wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness, we we got to remember this is all taking place from the fall. Once Adam and Eve sinned against God, everything changed. Everything, uh, everything uh, got to a point in place where we we begin to see ultimately uh, the consequence of sin is death upon man, and death is not only physical; it's spiritual; it's eternal. Uh, it's it's God's judgment upon man. But ever since the fall in the garden, we see sickness, disease, calamity, pestilence, disease, war. We see hatred. We, we see um, um, all kind of sexual sins. We see people being killed and murdered and raped. I mean, the list goes on. We see the wickedness of men. Because all men are born sinners. And all men who are born sinners sin. That's what they do. They are depraved. Their their evil, their wickedness is is great. Um, that's why sometimes when we hear some of the stories we even hear today, we wonder to ourselves, can it get any worse? And the answer is yes. And, and I don't want to even really go there today, but if you study God's Word, and so many people are upset about this COVID-19, if you really study the words of Jesus, it's going to get so bad someday that this COVID-19, I'm convinced, is just—this is like a pimple on your arm or something. I mean, it's it's something that's going to be so simple compared to what's coming. And a lot of people don't understand that. Matter of fact, as I was reading uh, and just refreshing my memory, uh, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, he said that uh, in uh, starting with verse, if I may read to you, starting with verse 21, for then there will be great distress unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive, but for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. So think about this. There's coming a time that's going to get so bad that it has never been seen since the world began. And it's, you know, up until that point, there is nothing that will even come close to it. So the worst, honestly, is yet to come. And and again, I know that some people don't want to hear that, but that's just the truth. But going back to the Romans 1.18, people want to, you know, place the blame on God or state that this is God's wrath. This is an aspect, this is a degree of God's wrath being revealed um, from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Well, my struggle with that is the fact that it is revealed from heaven. Um, it seems to be in this passage of Scripture that the wrath of God would distinctively come out of the heavens, and you would know that. Now, some would argue that if you look at the language here, it just means that it comes from God. God is the reason. God is the purpose behind it. He he is bringing forth his wrath. But ultimately, if it is God and it is his wrath, there's only a degree or dimension of it because it's not It's not the fullness of his wrath yet to come. But I struggle with this because of of the language that is used here, that it is from heaven. Now, uh, there are things that do come down from heaven or from above 
that distinctively have been and could be uh, you know, shown as the wrath of God, like Sodom and Gomorrah, fire came down from heaven. We have uh, things like uh, tornadoes and hurricanes and things that come out of the skies that come from above. Uh, things that take place, uh, like you know, we see uh, in the Old Testament uh, when the, the swarms of locusts came upon, and and things like that. There, there are things that maybe we could point to distinctively as coming from heaven above. Um, but at the same time, people want to say, okay, but what about you know the same passage you read in the last days in Matthew twenty-four? Jesus said there will be pestilence. A lot of people don't use that word today, but there's going to be diseases and sicknesses. Uh, there's going to be all kinds of things that are taking place. But you've got to remember, if you study the passage, you begin to realize it's only the beginning of the birth pangs. Um, and, and again, it's going to get worse. But I look at this, and I want us, I guess, today to be careful that we don't throw the blame at God, because that's what, exactly what is happening. Matter of fact, even not too long ago, there is a group of people out there, and I guess it's beginning to catch more and more attention, there are people that are blaming Christians for this disease taking place. And again, with all the speculation, you know, came from China, some say now it came from bats, uh, you know, there's all kinds of things that are happening. What we have to be careful is not to blame God for any type of evil or wickedness or something bad. Now, God's wrath or his judgment is always just. It's always just. So if this is an aspect or a degree of God's wrath or judgment, it would be a just judgment and wrath upon people. Now, again, we're we're not going to experience the fullness of this because we are children of the living God. But I, I realize that when I study the Word of God, there are different places within Scripture that the words are used very distinctively and carefully when it comes to um, the wrath of God. Like, for instance, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9, it says this, For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So ultimately, a destination of wrath is a place it's going to be the experience of people experiencing the fullness of the wrath of God. And again, I believe this is pointing to hell. What hell is going to be like, the lake of fire, it's going to be a wrath that's never-ending, that there are people who are destined for the wrath of God. But for those who are believers, those who are God's elect, those who have been chosen before the foundation of the world, those whose names have been written down in the Lamb's Book of Life before that foundation of the world, God has not destined us for his wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's important for us to understand and for us to know. Now, once again, that does not mean if we are experiencing an aspect of God's wrath right now, a degree of it, it doesn't mean it won't affect us, because everything that happens in the world, whether it be good or bad, actually affects us as believers. We're not exempt because we're Christians, because we're followers of Christ. We do get sick. We get viruses. 
uh, bad things happen to God's people in the sense that in the world in which we live, it's a fallen world. There are Christians who die of heart attacks. They die in car accidents. They get uh, sickness and disease and die. Things take place. They lose loved ones. I mean, they lose homes, and you know the list goes on and on. But the truth of the matter is, when we look at this, we have to understand we're not destined ultimately for the wrath of God. Why? Because we are believers. We are children of the living God. Um, We have been set apart. We have been designated by God by the seal of the Holy Spirit that we belong to Him. Now again, there are those who are going to experience the wrath of God. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us when Jesus returns, listen to Second Thessalonians chapter 1, and look with me, if you would, starting with verse 6. For after all, it is only just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you, and to give relief to you who are afflicted, and to us as well, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire. Here's the key, verse 8 dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. And these will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. When he comes to be glorified in his saints on that day and to be marveled at among those who have believed for our testimony to you was believed." Now, see, once again, the wrath of God. See, these are some things that we just have to take into account. The wrath of God, ultimately, the destination, the experience, what is going to take place upon those who do not know Jesus Christ, who have not believed and not put their faith or trust in him, who have not, uh, they don't know God. Um, They are truly those who are not the children of the living God. So again, we have God's wrath is being revealed, but we got to be careful. We just got to be careful when we look at this uh, COVID-19, the coronavirus, what is taking place. I would say to anyone out there, whether it be this particular virus, whether it be AIDS, whether it be some other, um, you know, thing that has happened in the past, uh, you know, some type of fever that has taken lives over the years, or, you know, some other type of flu bug or whatever that may be, we live in a fallen world where sickness and disease is all around us. And, you know, I've been listening to people talk about all the number of people that are dying. The truth of the matter is over 150,000 people die every day around the world. That's right. Most people don't realize that. I mentioned that just the other day to someone. They go, what are you talking about? Over 150-some thousand people die every day somewhere in the world. Now, that may be surprising, and I think it is to many people. And don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to take away from the coronavirus and and the, you know, really the seriousness of this, but people are dying, dying daily in great numbers. And many people are dying daily in great numbers and going to a Christless eternity. They are experiencing the wrath of God. So again, as we look at this, we got to be careful, because the reason I keep on saying this is because some people are saying, well, this is God. This is God coming against New York, because New York is a liberal state, 
They want to kill babies and do all this. And God's he's whacking them one. Same thing with California. And then you, you hear all these things and then you even hear preachers preaching like that. Um, you know, picking and choosing and really creating that, you know, God is up in heaven just zapping certain areas of the country, certain places of the world. He's just pouring out his wrath. He's getting them. You know, he's, he's, he's teaching them a lesson. And the truth of the matter is we don't really know that. See, this is where I have to, we have to be careful. Ultimately, in Romans chapter 1, those evil, wicked people who are godless, who know that God exists, but yet they completely turn their back against God. They do their own stuff. They worship other gods. They're involved in sexually immoral activity, the whole nine yards. These are people that God makes clear time and time again will never enter into his presence, but will experience his what? His wrath. We say they're unbelievers. They're lost. They need Jesus Christ. So again, that's my first biblical response to this coronavirus. Be careful where we're placing the blame. Be careful that we think we're speaking on God's behalf. Because um, God has spoken, and if you want to know what he has said, turn to his word. But at the same time, we have to take his word in proper context. The second thing I, I want to talk about is a biblical response to the coronavirus when it comes to the government. I've heard so many conspiracy theories that the government is behind all this. The government is the one who is trying to, you know, they have purposely set the coronavirus in in place. Uh, This is population control. This is where they are trying to figure out whether or not they can kind of rule the world. And, you know, I mean, I've heard all kind of different things, which I'm sitting back and I am absolutely positively dumbfounded. I've heard believers say, I won't quarantine. I'm not going to listen to them. They're not taking my constitutional rights away from me. They're not doing this. They're not doing that. They're not telling me where I could go, what I can do, how I can do it. Who do they think they are? I mean, I've heard all kind of things. And many of them have come from believers. I, I've been, you know, prior to everything shutting down, I was getting my hair cut. And there's people talking, you know, uh, about this in such a way, these who are pro- those who are proclaiming to be believers, they're condemning the government. And they're going after, and they, they think that this, you know, this is all the Democrats. They're the behind the coronavirus. The Democrats are. You know, I mean, I've heard all kind of nonsense being spoken by people. And I come to realize some things in the Word of God. And here is what we know. The coronavirus is real. We do know that people are getting sick, and we know that people are dying. My family, we actually know individuals who have the coronavirus. We know it's real. And none of us, I don't care who, it's, it's our humanity. Anytime you take away any liberty that we have, in any way, shape, or form, we we don't want to be told what we have to do, when we have to do it, how we have to do it. We don't want to be told by anybody to do anything. It's our human nature to buck against authority. That's why even as born sinners who sin, we buck ultimately against God. We don't want God telling us what to do. We want, we want to make our own choices. We want to do our own thing. 
But the truth of the matter is, there are some principles within God's Word that we always have to remember. For instance, number one, Romans chapter 13 says, everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. Now, it doesn't mean some people. It means everyone should submit. Just recently, I heard of a pastor. Matter of fact, I listened to some of his words that absolutely just drew chills up and down my spine. He is a pastor in South Carolina who refuses to shut down his church services. He refuses. He believes that this is all a work of the devil, of the enemy, of the government. And the things that he has said is just blows my mind. He's made it clear to his congregation that he has a group of volunteers that come in, they Lysol down everything, and nobody's going to get sick, nobody's going to get the virus, and he ain't taken, nobody's taken away from his right to worship God and to worship God freely and blah, 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 and still to this day is still holding services at his church. Now, when I think about things like that, I think about this passage and others I'll share with you. God's Word says everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities because ultimately the ultimate authority is God. God has established our government. Now, I know what people are going to say. People are going to say, but the government's wicked. They do things they shouldn't do. I understand that. But in this case, they're not telling you you can't worship God. The government's not saying that you must worship Baal or you must do this. What the government's saying is, listen— when people were getting together because of this virus and it being airborne and the potential, especially of the elderly people and the people with weakened immune systems and whatever the case may be, and now even the younger one, the truth of the matter is everybody's at risk. Somebody could be a carrier uh, and not even know it. Somebody may have it and not know it because they may not have the symptoms that are the normal symptoms that other people have. Whatever the case may be, for the protection of people, and not risking everybody, they have told everybody, if you, you know, for 10 or more or three or more, you can't gather together, whatever the numbers are in every state, it's different. But there are people that are just completely bucking against this and believing that this is spiritual warfare. This is the devil behind it all. But the Bible says here, the authorities that exist have been established by God. That's what it says in the word of God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who who do so will bring judgment on themselves. i got to be honest with you. I've been so upset about this that I've wanted to call the state, I wanted to call the federal government and say, well, you know what, this guy in his church, what are they doing? What in the world are they doing? I mean, they're just telling everybody, the congregation, most of them in the congregation almost acts like this man is Moses or he's he's have some type of great closeness with God, but at the same time, they don't understand what he is doing is he's going against God's Word. And he's putting everybody at risk, the young, the old, the in-between, because he's looking at this from—he's spiritualizing things. He's looking at this as the, it's the devil— it's the devil trying to stop us from worshiping God. First of all, I don't need a church building to worship God. Second of all, I don't have to be with a group of people. The Bible says don't forsake the fellowship. Don't forsake the gathering together. And that is somebody who intentionally says, you know what, I don't need the church. 
I'll do things my way. That, that's not the case here either. This is a leader, supposed leader of the body of Christ, telling the body of Christ, eh, whatever the government says, forget it. We do things our way. This is how we do it here. And the truth of the matter is the government is not asking them to abort babies. The government's not telling them you must worship this idol or do this, or you can't pray or whatever. The government's saying, listen, I don't care what group you are, a church, a civic organization, whether you're a theater group, whether you're a baseball team, whatever you are, you cannot be together. But yet people are saying that this, again, we have to fight the government. I know another man who claims to be a very solid Christian who says, they can't tell me I can't go out of my community. I'll go do what I want, when I want, where I want. And he's just... I guess every day just purposely going out, hoping that he gets stopped, hoping that somebody will question him, hoping that he will then have some type of lawsuit against the government because his constitutional rights uh, have been invaded. See, see, it's stuff like this. I got to be honest with you, folks. This doesn't make sense. Um, it says here in, in the scripture, for rulers hold no terror for those who do what is right. But for those who do wrong, do you want to be from free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will command you. For he is God's servant to do good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath, interesting word there, agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. See, see, the truth in, the truth of the matter is we, we got to think about this biblically. we got to do what is right in the eyes of God. Now, there's other places within Scripture, because of the time, that, that talk about that too, uh, that we should be submissive to those in authority. Um, and, and again, we, we have to understand and we have to think clearly about what we're being asked or told to do. And again, we're not told to sin, but yet we have people spiritualizing, trying to kind of, you know, take a, a stronghold or come over the stronghold, whatever. I mean, all kind of language that is being used that just doesn't make any sense. And yet... It is putting really at risk people from doing what is right in the eyes of God. With that, too, are those same people, along with others, who, again, this is all the work of the devil, and so this is spiritual warfare, and so they're naming it, they're claiming it, they're rebuking the devil, they're going after him, and they're trying to bind him and keep him from spreading the COVID-19 and all kind of stuff, um, but at the same time, they really don't understand um, things. They once again want to spiritualize, but they also want to believe that somehow they have this power, this authority as the apostles and others, uh, because they're believers, to tell the devil what to do, not to do. And all that comes to mind, i got to be honest with you, is the book of Jude. Um, and in the book of Jude, we read very distinctively and carefully 
uh, starting with verse 8. In the very same way these dreamers pollute their own bodies, reject authority, slander celestial beings, but even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare to bring a slanderous accusation against him, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Yet these men speak abusively against whatever they do not understand, and what things they do not understand by instinct, like unreasoning animals, these are the very things that destroy them. Woe to them. See, see the bottom line is, they're, they're, to them, they're in this great spiritual battle, and they're going to name, they're going to claim, they're going to bind, they're going to, you know, they're going to stop Satan. This is, this is a work of Satan. This is a work of the d- demonic spirits out there. And, you know, even to the point I've heard people say that these are demonic spirits that are entering people and making them so sick and everything, and we have to cast them out. We have to, they have to be cleansed. I mean, all kind of stuff, which once again brings us to this point in place of going, what? What are you talking about? Again, so, you know, the reality and even simplicity of the fact that there's disease, there's sickness, there's death, in a fallen world, a world affected by sin, they want to turn everything into this big uh, kind of uh, the spiritual circus, really. And they're getting people to, you know, buy certain items and, and oils and everything out so they, they can lay hands, they could proclaim, they could, they could do all kind of things in the name of Jesus to keep uh, people from getting sick um, and from dying. Which, once again, if you understand what is ultimately being said, they're ultimately trying to play God. They really believe that they have this authority to do so. And they're leading people astray. And they're making people believe things. That's just not true. And the reason is because you have people that are not grounded in the Word of God. So it becomes, it becomes this, this just mess, a confusion in visible Christianity. There is no common sense. People aren't looking at this uh, from a practical standpoint. That they, uh, we have to understand that which is spiritual. We have to understand there is spiritual warfare. We have to understand what spiritual warfare is all about. And we, we look at things within the Bible. We do understand that the enemy is at work, but at the same time, we have to be careful that we are not led to believe things that are just not true and creating things that are not not meant to be created, or giving the devil credit where the devil doesn't have any credit, or once again blaming God, as I said earlier on in the podcast, for something he didn't do. Uh, there's a lot of things here that, that just don't make any sense. Now, when I come down to the fourth thing, real quickly here, something I'm constantly hearing about, which I think is important, is prayer. We need to pray. We should be people of prayer. We should be praying for other people all the time. Um, We should be praying for those in authority. Um, We should be, and I know that, uh, and I can say this honestly, I have literally more than uh, times gone by, I have been praying for the president. I have been praying for those in leadership because I know that there are a lot of decisions that need to be made. And I know that the difficulties and the challenges that people are going to have um, are going to be great in these times. 
um, so great that, again, if they don't make the wise decisions, they are going to be in trouble. So so I, I want to encourage all of you, like, for instance, it tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 2, that first of all, that request prayers and intercession and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and for those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Now, ultimately, we want to be praying for people's salvation. We want people to truly know God and truly have put their faith, their trust in Jesus Christ for their salvation. But we want them to be wise. We want them to be men and women of the Word. We want them to turn to God. We want them to know what is true and to do what is right, and we are to pray for them. We are to specifically pray for those who are in those places of authority. So I think we should be. We should be praying for one another. We should be praying for those who are on the front lines. We should be praying for those who are already stricken and sickly, uh, those who truly need the intervention of God, especially when you have a virus that doesn't have a cure, that the doctors are doing the best that they can, and that we do hear the stories of those who come out and recover They make it through the virus, but then we hear the stories of those who don't. So at the same time, our our prayer life should be consistent. It should be daily. It it should uh, be—we should desire uh, for God to help these men and the women, uh, you know, the the doctors and the nurses, those on the front lines and EMS. We we should be truly trusting the Lord, uh, asking God to do what only He can do in their lives and help them. Um, but at the same time, sickness, disease, sorrow, death, it's, it's going to be a part of the world in which we live. It's not going to change because that's the world we live in. We live in a fallen world. Uh, and people have said this, and it's true. It, even though it's somewhat become a cliche, there's more people have died from the flu. And it is true. They've died from the flu. And um, the truth of the matter is we should be praying uh, for people all the time. We should be praying for the sick. We should be praying for the afflicted. Uh, we should follow the biblical principles when somebody is in need. That somebody should call upon the elders to pray for them, um, et cetera, et cetera. But, but again, I, I want us to, to realize that prayer should be a priority all the time, not just during the time of great tragedy, great distress, you know, things that are going on that, that like these times, times where pandemic and everybody is just, you know, they, they, they're on their edge of the chair. Their, their nerves are just shot. They're, you know, the, so many things are on their mind and their hearts. But we should always be men and women of prayer. And you know as well as I do, if you study even the topic of prayer, uh, we know that Jesus the prime example of one who prayed. Sometimes Jesus would pray all night long. And so we, we need to follow his example and truly be men and women of prayer. And last but not least, in my biblical response to this COVID-19 coronavirus, is I keep on seeing a word that the world is putting out there. Um, I see it on TV. I read it in the, uh, news stories. And that word is hope. Now, I, I think that very interesting, we, we have the world talking about hope. But does the world know really what hope is? 
which I don't believe that the world really knows what hope is. I believe the worldly perspective of the word hope is more of a wish. They, they're wishing for things to get better. They're wishing for people to be better or, or for people to be okay and healthy. Their wish and their desire is is that we get back. I keep on hearing the terminology before this all happened. Everything seemed to be going so great. Uh, you know, money was flowing. People were in jobs. Things were going well. You know, and they wanted to go back like that or even better. They're wishing for good days, better days ahead. But that is really not what hope is all about. Hope biblically speaking, is really the confident assurance. It's based upon God and his promises. Um, We as believers, we really believe down deep inside that when God has spoken something, God who cannot lie, he's holy, he's pure, he's just, that when he says something, it will take place. It is a guaranteed, hope is a guaranteed expectation. We expect it to happen. Um, It is an unrevealed reality. We haven't yet seen it, but we know it's going to take place. Uh, We haven't experienced it fully, but we know it. Just like when we die, we believe as believers that we are going to be in the presence of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, our King. We're going to be in heaven. To us, it's a guaranteed expectation. It's based upon the promise that God gave to us through his Son, Jesus Christ. And as Christians, I really believe that this is the time to share with others the hope that we have. And ultimately, the hope that we have, the anchor of our hope, is Jesus Christ. It's a person. Um, It's not just that people get cured. It's just not that people don't die and they make it through the coronavirus. It's not just that everything is better than it was before this all took place or better days are yet to come, or whatever the case may be. It's not, a, it's not some kind of, uh, you know, kind of jolly wish for, for better things ahead. But it's time for us, I believe, as believers, to make it clear to people that true biblical hope is that in a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. See, I, I see times like this, and I find it interesting. I'm going to be honest with you. And this is, this is something that stirs me, and it frustrates me. But as I listen and I watch carefully just little snippets of all the Facebook Live Bible teachings that are out there now, all of a sudden every pastor in their church, because they can't, you know, do church as normally, you know, they, they're going Facebook Live, and most of the messages— that are being presented are being presented to the people. It's, you know, he's preaching to the choir. He's making the choir feel good. The people feel good. A lot of messages about fear, anxiety, uh, a lot of messages about having faith in God, etc. But you know one thing that I see that it seems to be missing? Is a reality, what a great opportunity we have 
to bring hope to a world that is lost, a world that is dying, a world that is heading for God's wrath by presenting them with the hope that is found in the good news, the gospel message of Jesus Christ. That's the thing that gets me right now. That, that's the thing that just makes me sit back and go on, we're missing it. In a time where we have that opportunity more than ever before, people are fearful. I, I mean, fear has just raised its ugly head to such a degree right now, uh, to the point in place, especially when people are talking about death, you're watching on national TV the bodies that are being carried out of the hospitals in the body bags. I mean, you're seeing things that are being happening, and people are like, they're, they're stunned. They're bewildered. People are d- d- distressed and distraught. And, and people are, here is the opportunity to bring true hope to people, to take them the Word of God to bring them the unadulterated gospel message of Jesus Christ, to tell them about our hope. Listen, I would not want to see anyone get this coronavirus. I don't want to see anybody get the deadly flu that has been going around. I I don't want to see anyone get cancer. Uh, I don't want to see anyone get into a car accident. I don't want to see anyone get some type of blood infection. Whatever the case may be, the list could go on and on. But I do know this. All of us are going to die. All of us are going to experience death in some way, shape, or form. Whether it be COVID-19, whether it be cancer, whether it be an automobile accident, I've already told you over 150,000 people die every day in this world somewhere. But the key is, do they die with hope? True biblical hope. Is there hope in the promises of God? Is there hope in the person of Jesus Christ? Are they prepared to go into eternity? And that's why, to me, those type of things continue just to to spin around. And I don't hear much of that. And I know that some may be saying, but you sound like you're condemning the church. Well, I'm, I'm condemning the fact, that I'm rebuking, I guess, the fact that we claim to be the light that's supposed to be in the midst of darkness, and this is one of the darkest times in our nation's history. It's one of the darkest times in the world where we can let our light shine, not just by bringing our neighbors food. You know, I thought about that the other day. Don't get me wrong. Um... <laughs> They should see our good deeds. And through seeing our good deeds, we pray that they would glorify God. But you know what? I know that there are people that are unbelievers, people who reject God, reject Jesus Christ, have nothing to do with the Bible, whatever the case may be, who are doing things for their neighbors. They're doing things for their coworkers. They're doing things that we would look and say, look at the good that they're doing. But do you know something, folks? All that good amounts to nothing. Do you realize that the greatest thing that we can do is let our light shine and proclaim the gospel message of Jesus Christ to this world? That's what the world needs right now. And that's what's bothering me through this whole thing, is not only the other things that I have spoken about, the other four, but this fifth thing, hope. The world wants to talk about hope, but the world doesn't understand the true meaning of hope. They just, they're wishing upon a star. 
They're hoping that everything gets, quote-unquote, better as time goes by. But the truth of the matter is they really don't understand biblical hope. They don't understand that hope is in a person. And this is the time to share the gospel. This is the time to bring them Jesus. Because, again, if it's not COVID-19, it may be cancer. It may be the flu. It may be a car accident. It may be a plane accident. Whatever it may be, they're going to die. But do they have the guaranteed expectation? Do they have the unrevealed experience that someday they will be with God? Do they have that guarantee? Do they have that peace that passes all understanding? Do they really know, based upon God's promises, that they can be with God in heaven for all eternity? See, that's what our world needs right now. That's what the doctors need. That's what the president needs. That's what the governors need. That's what the whole world needs. And, And again, I'm not questioning their salvation. I'm just saying to you, our real hope is in a person. It is not in a cure for the coronavirus, even though we want a cure and we need a cure. Our true hope, because this world has fallen, this world is wicked. This world, whether it be pestilence and disease and earthquakes or wars and famine, whatever else there could possibly be, what man needs is to hear the good news about Jesus Christ. My prayer, truly, my prayer is for you, for your family, um, for all that you go through. My prayer is that you will come to that point and place of realizing um, that God is in control. He, he has not left us. He has not forsaken us. He still sits upon the throne. He is in control of all things at all times. And we are to be a people of prayer. We are to be a people who love one another, but we are to be a light in the midst of darkness. We are to go into all the world and proclaim God's gospel message to a world that is just a world that's just filled with pain, sorrow, suffering, a world that does not have hope. They need true biblical hope. Matter of fact, maybe next time on the podcast we'll get deep into the whole issue about hope, and look at maybe even a little bit further at what the Bible says about hope. But I can tell you right now, hope is found in a person, and that person is truly our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Until next time, thank you so much for listening. I cannot stress it again. I look forward to hearing from you. Email me, martyminto at gmail.com. That's martyminto at gmail.com. The Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. Until the next time, here on the Marty Minto Show Podcast.